Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Meho China podcast. This is Charlie, and this is Chuhan. Chuhan and I both grew up in China and came to the United States for college education. And through our jobs in the past years, we have extensively experienced cultures in many countries around the world, across the U.S., Latin America, Europe, Africa, and also Asia. We wanted to share our cross-cultural perspectives with you to help you understand China better. So we created Meihou, which is a platform where you can learn more about China and the Chinese language. Specifically, in the Meihou China podcast series, you're going to hear stories on what's happening in China, and at the same time, learn some very useful and important Chinese expressions. Without further ado, let's kick it off. In this episode, we're going to talk about an epidemic going on in China right now: the coronavirus. In the past few days, we have felt the urge to cover this event in the Meihou China podcast in order to clarify and really to demystify some important facts around the event because social media and even press media are misinterpreting the nature of this epidemic and spreading strong xenophobia against China. Yes, absolutely. We have heard stories about restaurants and shops that declined to serve Chinese customers for the fear of the virus, even if they're not really Chinese tourists, but only local residents of Chinese ethnicity. That's right, Shuhan. Some countries have advised their citizens to leave China or have even arranged evacuations, and others have sealed their borders and denied entries for all Chinese nationals. Many commercial flights have also been suspended. And several major technology conferences have been canceled for the fear of spreading the virus among the audience. On social media, some people, even senior tech executives, seasoned investors, and tech influencers, are blaming China for all the inconveniences. In some newspapers and magazines, the coronavirus is mistakenly phrased as the China virus on the cover page, and even more blatantly. The Chinese national flag is twisted with the stars replaced by the virus image. That's indeed concerning. A few days ago, I came across this article on LinkedIn written by Mr. Mario Cavolo, who is an Italian-American business person living in China. He made an interesting comparison with the outbreak of H1N1 or the swine flu back in 2009 in the United States. It eventually infected 60 million people and killed almost 300,000 people, which is over 800 times the infected and over 100 times the fatality of coronavirus. Well, back then, no country closed the borders to U.S. citizens or evacuated their own nationals out of New York or San Francisco, right? And I also don't recall any airlines canceling flights to Boston or Miami. And there were no such xenophobic anti-America attacks on those newspapers or social media. No one blamed the U.S. for the H1N1 outbreak. Absolutely, Chuhan. In fact, I believe no country should be condemned in such a scenario, whether it's Ebola, SARS, H1N1, or coronavirus. No matter where such an epidemic breaks out, the government and actually the entire human society would face the same challenges. First. How do we defend the virus's inevitable intrusion from the wilderness? And second, more importantly, when it happens, how to mobilize the society without causing widespread panic? This actually reminds me of a recent TV series I saw created by National Geographic. 
It's called the Hot Zone, and it's about the story of a potential Ebola outbreak in the U.S. in 1989. Oh yes, I watched the Hot Zone as well. That's a great show, and I'm a big fan. Yes, and in the story, you can see how human instincts react under such crisis circumstances, even in a free society and a developed country. For example, and pardon my spoiler alert, when a sample suspected of Ebola appeared in the military-controlled biosafety level four lab, even the top scientist's first reaction was the denial of the possibility of Ebola. Why is that? The reason may sound cliche, but it's so true to human nature, because they had never seen such a case on American soil, let alone so close to the capital city where everything should have been repeatedly checked for safety. Another example is when the manager realized the Ebola virus might exist in the facility. His natural reaction was to cover it up and tell his workers that everything was normal, because he had to defend himself and make sure nothing looks bad on him in the corporate structure, and the corporate had to protect itself from any bad PR and thus the stock price turbulence for shareholders' interest. Agreed. I think the best example in the show comes from the CDC official. In the beginning. His bullheadedness in the denial of Ebola was so infuriating that I was literally grinding my teeth watching him. But later on, he made a great point, which to me seems to be the most essential message from the show. His concern was that if they break the news of a suspected case near the DC area before confirming it, it would cause a panic so widespread and uncontrollable that it would be impossible to mobilize the people to do the necessary. Which includes shutting down all the highways nearby so it doesn't spread to DC, asking everyone to stay at home for self quarantine, securing the supplies and safety in local hospitals, protecting local shops and supermarkets from burglary and empty shelves, and efficiently controlling TV, radio, and all the media outlets not to spread panic. In the real world, it would be impossible to achieve all these actions in a timely manner. Because you'd be racing against the clock with a panicked crowd spreading the super virus that is not curable. That's a great point. A country's response and mobilization system is vitally important to successfully managing such a crisis. During the current coronavirus outbreak, China actually did it the hard yet the right way, and it happened to be during the most important holiday season, the Chinese New Year, with almost one billion people on the move across the whole country. All of the flights, railways, and highways were quickly shut down in and out of Wuhan, a city of more than 11 million people. In other major cities such as Beijing and Shanghai, all inflow travelers were inspected of their body temperature and checked for whether they've been to Wuhan recently, with their contact number and addresses recorded on file. The military and hospitals from all over China relocated thousands of medical professionals to Wuhan to support the local hospitals, including the two new ones. Designated for treating patients with the coronavirus. For our audience who is hearing about the two new hospitals for the first time, they are called Huoshenshan and Leishenshan, which literally translate to "God of Fire Mountain" and "God of Thunder Mountain." And each hospital has the capacity to host 1,000 patients. And as the powerful names suggest, it took just 10 days to build them. Building two hospitals in 10 days—that speed is insane. Exactly. It took more than three years to rebuild just a small part of Highway 101 near Palo Alto in California. No kidding. 
Actually, it's not just the government and military acting alone. It's a large-scale public-private cooperation, including state-owned enterprises and private sector companies. Together, they provide logistical support to the front line, making sure people in the lockdown Wuhan have sufficient food and other daily supplies in order to prevent any exaggerated price inflation. We have also seen many companies, including the Alibabas and Tencents, donating a lot of money and goods to the people in need. Both traditional and social media were efficiently broadcasting useful tips to prevent the virus and also the message that we're all in this together to provide support to the doctors and patients. So as a result, people did not panic, but rather stayed confident and strong and provided each other with support and encouragement. Yes, I saw those messages. They were widely shared in my network of friends from toddlers to elders. And as I mentioned earlier, even though it was the holiday season, arguably the most important holiday in China, people have given up the long-standing tradition of large family gathering and instead self-quarantined in their own homes in order to cut down any possibility of spreading the virus. Almost as a form of entertainment, tens of millions of them watched the live streaming of the construction sites of the two new hospitals in Wuhan, providing spiritual support to everyone involved in the Mission Impossible. And now that the holiday season is over, people have transitioned smoothly to the work-from-home and study-from-home model. Yes, it is turning into such a social phenomenon now. Even in the tech world in Silicon Valley, remote working software such as Slack and Zoom are still on their way to be mainstream, but their counterparts in China, such as DingTalk of Alibaba, Enterprise WeChat of Tencent, and Lark of ByteDance, have already done it almost overnight. School teachers were suddenly becoming live streaming influencers like those on YouTube and TikTok, and students are tapping on the hearts and thumbs ups like crazy. Even artificial intelligence has found its new use case here, in creating virtual video conference backgrounds using photos and videos of your choice for the procrastinators who don't clean up their rooms, or even putting up virtual makeups for the ladies. It probably sounds bitterly fun, but I find it quite touching, because these people are willing to sacrifice their own freedom for the health and safety of other people and the whole society. You may still think of it as the so-called collectivism from your policy class, but to me, this is one of the most lovable virtues of the Chinese people, but often misunderstood and even twisted through the lens of the liberal versus communism ideology framework, or simply by the assumption that every piece of information out of China is censored. Overall, as the director of WHO had praised publicly in a recent press conference, China has done such an impressive job in crisis response during the coronavirus period, and I believe it is unachievable without everyone contributing from their own part. If you are actually well-informed of what's really happening on the ground, you would sincerely appreciate everyone involved in this mission impossible. I agree. It was well-earned praise for sure. At the same time, we always want the government to do better, and there are definitely some lessons we can learn here. There were actually some very astonishing failures too, especially from the local government level. For example, they forced the heroic whistleblower Dr. Li Wenliang to keep quiet while he was still fighting for his patients and later against the virus till his last breath. While doctors on the front line are struggling with insufficient medical supplies, 
They took a box of precious face masks out of the warehouse back door. They also tried to cover up the numbers of the infected, only to embarrass themselves on national TV. However, the central government quickly stepped in to correct the course by removing the local party leaders in the Wuhan city and Hubei province, by openly criticizing the backdoor scandals and commemorating the sacrifice of Dr. Li, and by sending several top-level officials to Wuhan, including Premier Li Keqiang, to appraise and invigorate the doctors on the front line and to check the pulse on logistics and morale. No one is perfect. We all make mistakes and learn from them. That's what makes us stronger. And it is great that the Chinese government indeed corrected some of its earlier mistakes. Meanwhile, as we're seeing more and more infected cases outside of China, in Japan, Korea, Singapore, Italy, and even the United States, we really hope that the best practices and lessons learned from how China battled the coronavirus can benefit these countries. And on a relevant topic, if you're still under the impression that the Chinese government does not tolerate any criticizing voice, as how the Western media stereotypically portrays, I highly recommend that you watch the Chinese TV series called Renmin de Mingyi, which is translated as In the Name of People. This show in 2017 depicted bureaucracy and corruption in the Chinese government in great detail and was therefore seen as the Chinese counterpart to the famous Netflix series House of Cards. In fact, the show was actually initiated and sponsored by the Chinese central government itself to showcase its determination to eradicate corruption. The show was so popular that almost everyone in China was talking about it, and the second season actually just finished shooting, so stay tuned. And during the coronavirus time, many diverse voices were heard through channels such as press and social media, which were then reflected in the swift actions that the government took on later. Great discussion today, Charlie. In the last part of this episode, we're going to finish it by learning a Chinese phrase. And the phrase we're going to learn today is 中国加油. 中国, as many of you might know, means China. 加 means to add. 油 means fuel. So 加油 combined literally means to add fuel. Or figuratively, to cheer up. Or simply, go, go, go. So 中国加油 together means to cheer China up or chanting like, Go China! On Instagram or Twitter, you can also use hashtag China plus you, which is sort of homophonic to 中国加油, to show your support to China, and interact with other listeners of the Meho China podcast. Again, it is hashtag China plus you on both Instagram and Twitter, and we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on China's actions on the coronavirus and feedback on our Meho China podcast. Thanks for listening to the Meho China podcast. This is Chu Han. And this is Charlie. Looking forward to seeing you next time.